Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. I like that, Community Podcast. That's right. My name is Ryan Cabrera. I'm your co-host, and I'm here at the table in studio, what is this, B, C? We got to name this the studio now, all right? I mean... This is going to have to be Studio B. Studio B, in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. That's right. Hey, Pastor Nick. How's it going? It's going. It's Are going. you glad to be here today? Yeah, it's going. It feels good. a little weird. That's good. So, a couple things. Number one, the election is drawing nigh, right? It sure is. And so, you need to go vote, and you need to vote your principles, right? That's right. We have to vote with our faith. It is our mandate, right? When That's we give right. our lives to Yeshua, when we, you, That's right. you now belong to Him. Amen? That's right. And so it's no longer you that lives, but him that lives in you. You've given up all your rights to him. So now go and vote likewise. Um, it is our 21st Torah cycle. That's right. Back in 1999, in the fall, we started. Exciting stuff. Good and we year. are now in season four of the Beit Tehila Community Podcast, Christians with Torah. And so it's very simple. Christians with Torah. We believe in the foundational principles of Christianity. We believe that Jesus is came, died, rose again, and that is now seated at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus is God. We believe these things fundamentally, and we also believe that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant for today, and that includes the Torah, God's teachings and instructions. And uh, we are continuing our giveaway. So if you guys are watching on the video, you guys can see that I still have here the three CDs from Joshua Aaron. We would like your help in getting the word out about this podcast. And so uh, if you're listening to it on the audio on SoundCloud, um, you can comment there. If you're listening to the audio on the iPhone or iTunes um, app in some way, shape, or form through Apple's in, you know, little ecosystem, then you can leave a review. If you are watching on Google, um, or I'm sorry, watching, or actually you can do it on Google as well. So, um, because Google has its own podcast uh, app and it's on there. It's on pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, but also on Facebook and also on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, uh, you know, subscribe to the page on Facebook, subscribe to the page or the channel on YouTube, leave comments, the whole bit. But remember, the comment you need to leave is pick me. That lets me know that you watched, that you know what you're going to win, and pick it lets me. us know. So we're going to run this uh, again for this week, same giveaway. So if you guys will keep watching, then next week, next week, maybe you could be the lucky winner. I like that. I like it too. All right. So this week, oh, man, this is a big week. It is. Anytime, there's certain tour portions we come to that, like, for us, man, just, like, right here in my heart and my soul, it's just, like, a big a big deal. And this is one of them. Lech lecha. Get yourself out or go for yourself or go to yourself, right? Many different ways we can take these words in Hebrew and translate them. Um, but it is found in the book of Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1 and ending in chapter 17 and verse 20. 
seven. So we have the book of Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. And if we had to break this up into two parts, the book of Genesis, chapters one uh, through ten uh, is actually the race as a whole. And then, of course, uh, chapters 12 to 50 is actually the family of Abraham. This is Jensen's survey of the Old Testament book, Jensen's survey of the Old Testament. So once again, chapters, I'd say 1 through 11, uh, the race as a whole, and chapters 12 to 50, the family of Abraham. Uh, We have a lot of beginnings in Genesis. Uh, We have the beginning of the world in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. We have the beginning of the human race in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, all the way through chapter 2 and 25. And number three, we have the beginning of sin in the world. Chapter could, I wish three, we could left that part out. Verses 1 through 7. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Number four, promise of redemption. Woohoo! Genesis chapter 3, verses, I'd say here, it looks like 8 to 24. Uh, the beginning of family life. Number five, the beginning of a family life. That's Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. And of course, we look at the beginning of civilization as we know it. Civilization, chapter 4, verse 16. And number 7, the beginning of nations of the world, chapters 10 and 11. Once again, the beginning of the nations of the world, chapters 10 and 11. But number 8 is the one we want to star today, we want to focus on today. The beginning of the Hebrew race called Abraham. That's right, chapter 12. So chapters 1 through 11 is the race as a whole. Uh, Chapters 12 to 50 is the family of Abraham. And we have, of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we're going to be getting into one of these main characters as well. Uh, You'll see this later on. Yosef or Joseph. Uh, A key phrase found in the book of beginnings, Genesis. These are the generations of. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into this Genesis portion. Lech Lecha. Go for yourself. And I'm going to have Ryan read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Oh, man, these are good, good verses. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So here we go, right out of the gate. So what three things did uh, God ask Abram to do? Uh, He said that he needed to leave his country, his relatives, and his father's house. That's right. So they went from uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, which is today the modern-day country of Iraq, uh, to Haran, which is north of Israel. And now he's going to come into the Promised Land. So uh, Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran died, and he was the father of Lot. So Lot was the nephew of Abram. So Abram took in Lot his nephew. Uh, So once again, he's asked three things uh, to do. He had to leave his country, his relatives, and his father's house. Just look around. I mean, were you actually, uh, you were born in Tampa, right, Brandon? I was. Which is, which is cool. I was born in Dayton, Ohio. We did a little hand raising how many people were born outside of Florida, and, and most of them were. 
So it, it's kind of an interesting story how God keeps us moving uh, from one place to another that we're not where we originally started, but God has us on this journey. So he literally had to leave his country, you know, his relatives, and of course his father's house, because uh, he continued on in the journey, you'll see, uh, because his father died mm-hmm. and got to a certain point. Right. So it's like when someone dies, something is birthed. You know, it's interesting. I lost my Aunt Jean, and I would like to dedicate this podcast to my Aunt Jean, Janine Spanbauer. She was 90 years old, went to be with the Lord on October the 20th, around 4.15 in the morning. And so, um, you know, it's interesting that uh, 90 years old, but in about three weeks, my wife's going to be having a daughter. Incredible. I know. These things happen. So think about it, everybody. Remember, your family didn't give you Jesus. Jesus gave you Jesus. Amen to that. So that's a decision that you have to make. And so what four things did God say that he would do for Abram? Well, he said that he would make him a great nation. He said that he would bless him. Uh, He said that he would make his name great. And he said that through him that he would be a blessing. See, that's good. Because in Genesis 12, 3, it says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, which literally means grafted in. So from Abraham, we have the three monolithic faiths, don't we? We have Judaism, Christianity, and Islam today. That's right. Because uh, Abraham is the father of these three faiths. Father Abraham. Yes, and many sons. <laughs> and many sons had Father Abraham. So as we look at the story unfold, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you go back to Abraham, who wasn't Jewish. We're going to find out that he's a Hebrew later. But, uh, you know, once again, these promises were made and he's going to be going into, of course, uh, you'll see actually an unconditional uh, type of covenant. But Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran to enter the land of Canaan. So now he's going to continue on the journey as, as he's moving on with his family. And Abram brought Sarai, his wife, Lot, his nephew, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, along with all their substance, into the land of Canaan. So Abram actually had a church. He had an entourage. Yeah, he, he had did. a bunch of people. He had a posse. He did. And it was not just his family, but it was other people that joined him as well. You know, that's just a picture like of you and I, Ryan, just joining up with the Lord. Come on. You know, we got different mothers and fathers, but hey, we love the Lord. But here we are. We have a heavenly Father. We're just coming, and so I think I find that interesting. We're on the same mission. You know, we both started out in the the normal mainstream Christian church, right? That's right. Maybe different denominations here and there, but right. I don't think either of us were in one single denomination. But it's cool how God brings us together. But then here we are, wow. right, on a mission. And that's the thing. You know, Abram um, was considered a Zadik as well. So remember we said that Noah was a Zadik? And so throughout history you have, you know, Enoch is a Zadik. A righteous man. Right, right, a Zadik. Right, exactly right. Which so, Zadik is a righteous person. So as we develop the story, we're also going to look at some geographical areas as well. The first place that Abram came to was Sichem in the plain of Moreh, and they say that's Shechem. but It's not Zikem. Sechem. Yeah. Is it Shechem? They say that Shechem on the shoulders of. It's Shechem. In the plain of Moreh. Yep. Well, because it's in the plain of Moreh. Shechem is in the plain of Moreh. Interesting. So Shechem means on the shoulders of, you know. So you got Mount Gerizim, Mount Evil, Mm -hmm. right? Mount Evil, Mount Gerizim. And on the bottom slope in that valley right there is a city called Shechem on the shoulders of. And there is a huge plain there. So like as you come through, you have the mountains on either side and then you have a huge flat area. Right. It's a modern day country of Nablus today, I believe. Nablus. Correct. Uh, And so, yeah. And so once again, you can see some incredible things happening here. And that's actually on the border of Ephraim's territory to the north. Correct. Northern border of Ephraim's territory. Uh, Right. So what did God promise to give Abram's descendants? 
The land. The land. The land. You know. So, you know, when we look at, you know, the scriptures and we look at things, you know, the land is important. I think as a Christian, that's one of the things that most Christians are ignorant of. Like, wow, should I really even care about the land or should I have anything to do with the land? I mean, well, if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham. We won't get into all that, but, but this is the Old Testament Torah portion. But the bottom line is that if you truly get the revelation, you'll understand the land is important. It's funny because you mentioned the verse from Galatians, what is that, uh, 3.29? Yes. Um I went through my Bible after reading that, and I said, well, if we're the seed of Abraham, then we need to follow the seed, right? That's true. It even clarified it said not seed. In the Greek, it's sperma. It's real. Right. Exactly. (coughs) Excuse me. But this verse here says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. (coughs) So we notice that uh, Abram doesn't take possession of all of this land himself. He tells him that unto your seed right. am I going to give possession of this land. That's good, you know. Think about it. So, so can you relate how God has moved you when you became born again and learned the truth of God's word? Can you relate how God has moved you? You know, like I was a backslidden Catholic. Oh, I got yeah. born again in my apartment. <laughs> I went to First Baptist Church of Pleasant Grove, right? Baptist, got baptized. Then I proceeded to go to a Family Worship Center, which is a word of faith church, spirit-filled, right? For sure. And experienced all of that. Of course, I went from what, from from Brandon to Lakeland, and then what does God do? He uh, He brings me back to Brandon to to Valrico New Life, which is a was a Baptistical kind of church. A, a Baptist minister was filled with the Holy Spirit, called Valrico New Life. Pastor Danny McSpadden was our pastor, and uh, he just loved the dance and loved everything about that and and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I can just think about this, you know, even today. And then of course, uh, the dryer started attending this church. Met the, met the dryers, Pastor Tifa, Pastor Randy. Uh, they weren't pastors at the time, and they had two daughters. And so I began to hang out with them, and I got my Hebrew roots in, in the spring of 1995. So this journey began to happen and wow. unfold. 25 years ago. Even geographically speaking, even now, you know, Beit Tehillah is at its eighth place or eighth destination which is, of course, amazing. Uh, we started in the living room, eight places. Thank God we didn't have 42 encampments. Oh, yeah. Like the children of Israel. So here's the story. So, Ryan, what about you? I mean, what's your basic background in the fact of coming to faith and then leading you up to here? Um, I mean, I grew up, uh, my family was Methodist, which is, uh, you know. They have some good methods. They, <laughs> they methodia, certainly. The Greek word methodia. They certainly do have some some good methods. Um, what's interesting is it's a it's a there's a whole spectrum of Methodists too. Like I didn't know that as a kid, you know. But there's there's the conservative side of the Methodist, the liberal side See, of the Methodist. Yeah, yeah. And it's an international denomination as well. So there's a lot of places in Africa. But that's beside the point. I didn't know what it meant to be Methodist uh, as a kid, really. I mean, I went through like confirmation or something as a kid. Um, but again, I didn't really understand. It wasn't until I was probably 19 that I truly can claim to have been born again, right? I mean, I, I think that um, many people come to faith through their family, um, but they have to make a decision for that's themselves right. to follow God and to make their faith their own, and that's an important piece of all that. But uh, the biggest thing I would say is I was pretty comfortable going to a big mega church, non-denominational place. My wife and I were leading a life group. Um, we were pretty comfortable as far as, hey, we're, we're reading the, you know, we're checking the box. We're going to church on Sunday. We're, you know, in a life group. We're in community, so to speak, with other believers. Right. We're studying the Bible. Check, you know what I mean? We, we're not cussing, smoking, and drinking, you know, all that, right. all that good stuff. 
Uh, but then uh, one day, and I can say that it was a teaching that I watched, and from that teaching, and it's not a lot of things where I could think like that message that I heard changed my life forever. I can say that this one teaching that I watched, this one message changed my life forever. And it was because of that that I started researching and what was it? the Torah. Well, it was a, a teaching about the pagan roots of the the traditional Truth Christian or holidays. tradition. It was. It was called Truth or Tradition. With Jim Staley. Jim Truth Staley. or Tradition. Let's give him some credit. I'll give him some credit. All right. Truth or Tradition. I didn't tradition know if you wanted to give credit Staley. or not. So absolutely, always give credit um, where it, credit is due. Let me just tell you that was a fantastic teaching, and I'm a very logical person, and I'm you know when I think about things and I look at the scriptures, I'm like, well, let's look at the whole of scripture. And I used to say that all the time, but how much scripture was I skipping over because I didn't know what the word Ephraim That's meant. true. Or I didn't know who Judah was. Or right. I didn't know, because as a Christian, you know who Jesus is, you know about, a lot about the New Testament, you right. read through the Old Testament and you just kind of glaze over stuff, right, a lot of times. Inquiring minds want to know. So I watched that teaching. My wife and I are sitting there. Uh, we actually watched it. I was I had just canceled the cable previously. So we're watching YouTube up on the TV, right? And right. I had cast it up onto the TV. And... Uh, uh, to this day, I remember looking over her and being like, can we unwatch that? Like, I didn't want to know it. What do you do with that? And just as a, 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 I say basic Christian, which that's your terminology, you know, I st- to this day, I don't like it, but it comes out of my mouth like pretty naturally. I now. like being an advanced Christian. Yeah, I understand. Um, but just being in mainstream Christianity, I understood that, you know, God's way is good, pagan way is bad. This is right. a basic concept that Abraham, even as Abram, right. understands, right? And we come to find this. So I understood that concept. And God showed me these things about the holidays. And then at the very end gives you like, and it's so funny too, because Jim in the end of that um, teaching gives this little like thread, you know, here, just hold on to this thread and just pull, pull on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, all it is is, oh, there's a better way. There's the feasts of the Lord. That's right. Check that out. That's good. That's, you know, and so I was like, oh, so obviously we started researching it. I went online. Life changing. I saw a picture of this pastor who had a little more hair than you at the time. Yeah. And uh, his family, beautiful family on the website. Yes. And I was like, these people look normal. Because yeah. at first I was like, nobody's doing this. This is ridiculous. This is silliness. Obviously, I'm missing so something. So you found Beta Tehillah. I found Beta Tehillah through the website. Wow. Online. Did you just, what did you do? What'd you, what search engine did you use? Uh, Google, I think. Well, we, we were looking up just places in the area. Because, again, I didn't think. What, I mean, what did you put in for us to come up? Oh, great question. I have no idea. It's funny. We got some some people said they put in like chicken soup and we came up supernaturally. Just off the wall stuff like Interesting. real religion or something. or so, And it's like, and all of a sudden we come up. It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, happened was I show up to Beit Tehillah and it was very uncomfortable. Um, I was used to a, a big church with multiple services on the weekend, Saturday yes, and Sunday services. Absolutely. I could see somebody, you know, that I knew. And then not see them again for months. And then when I saw them again, they just assumed that, you know, right. I was going to a different service. That's they had, it. probably like had that. no idea wow. that whether I was there or not. And so because of the anonymity, there's a lack of accountability. And I, without realizing it, liked that. I liked not right. being accountable, right? Which is very anti-Torah, you know, right. as an, it's anti-Christian in general. Because you have an ideology and you want to ease your conscience and you're good. Well, and I just, you know, I don't want people in my business for whatever reason, right? So I come here, right? And there's 200 people, right? Yeah. And... You know, when you're new, everybody's looking at you like, you know, hey, oh, yeah. there's somebody new here, you know? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Fresh meat. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go get them. And the people were so friendly and all that. Anyway, I struggled with, with understanding the relevance of Torah for a while. So if you're right. listening to this and you're not like, right. I don't know about this whole Torah thing. Yeah, just I'm not yet. sure. Just know that you follow things by faith, right? So God didn't tell Abram. It says even right here, right? It says, uh, 
you know, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. He just was obedient and didn't even know where he was going. He didn't say, hey, go to this place. God said, go to the land that I'll show you. So it wasn't until he gets there that God says, here's the place, right? So the same thing happens with us. You know, when you start out on this journey towards understanding the relevance of Torah, the feast days, the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, you don't start out knowing the destination. Or, no, you don't. Or step that, a, even, that you're going to reach the destination. You can't skip the letters in the alphabet. You go step A, step right. B, C. Right. That's awesome. That, that's a good story, Ryan. I mean, that's how you got your Hebrews. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. So Abram was forced to go into Egypt because of famine. Now, isn't it interesting? God gives us some incredible revelation, and then we have circumstances. Oh, I know. Like, what is going on here? But God, God I was just, obedient. God told me to, to go into this land. He made these promises, and now he's bringing a, I got to leave? <laughs> I just got here. <laughs> yeah. So Abram tells Sarai, his wife, to say that she is his sister because he was afraid for his life. That's good. Uh, Sarai was taken into Pharaoh because she was very fair, and Abram was given livestock and servants. You know, it was a half lie. Yeah. Because they had the same father, but different mothers. Apparently, Sarai was really good looking. I'm, I'm sure she was a hottie. I mean, you and know. And she's 65 at the time. So I'm keep that in mind. Because when, when Abram goes, right. at least 65. Because when Abram goes, right? So a 65-year-old woman catches the eye of the Pharaoh. And here's an interesting thing. If, as we look at COVID-19, God plagued Pharaoh in his house because Sarai was Abram's wife. So here's the first time the word plague is used. Mm. It's the same word used for leprosy, a spot. Mm-hmm. Or blemish, yeah. And it's the same word used in First Kings chapter eight that every man has this a plague in, in his, his own heart. heart. Yep. Yeah, First Kings eight. Check it out. Yeah, oh yeah. You might not get COVID, but you know what? You got a plague in your own heart. First Kings eight. It's it's his prayer. So uh, once again, that's very interesting. Now it doesn't say that there were any deaths, but there was definitely a plague. You know. So uh, the interesting thing is with COVID nineteen that you can survive, you can be healed, you can recover, but some do die. You know, we, we've witnessed this here at Beit Tehillah. Some go on to be with the Lord. We, some go on to be with the Lord. Some recover. So, you know, it's a 50-50 chance. We don't understand it. Mm-hmm. But but once again, it's something to consider that here we go, that something was going on and God plagued Pharaoh. God plagued. Now, there's a big debate over COVID-19 right now. Yeah. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. It helps. It doesn't help. But the bottom line is that there is a plague. It doesn't matter if it came from a, a lab or this or that. But the bottom line is that there is a plague whether God allowed it or not, and we have to we have to realize this fact. Yeah. And it's still lingering. So Pharaoh got upset with Abram for not telling the truth and sent him away with all that he had. Okay, so now he's going to start growing his family. But uh, in Genesis chapter 13, the, the caption is, Abram and Lot separate. What was the reason for Abram and Lot to separate? Uh, well, their substance was great, and they could not dwell together. Basically, their herdsmen started getting into squabbles over. No, this is my sheep. No, that's my. You know, that's our sheep. That's our. You know, back and forth. The herdsmen, yeah, there's, there's, they were squabbling over pastures and stuff. Right. Oh, that too. And oh no, where are our sheep are going to eat on this pasture today? No, our sheep is going to eat on this pasture. So I mean, it was, it was just like the good old fashioned family squabble you know so abram dwelled in the land of canaan and lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward sodom yeah and of course the lord told abram that all the land that he could see was going to be given to him and his seed which cannot be numbered so abram's like okay listen lot you pick what you want and then i'll take whatever whatever's left so this is a guy that was not contentious yeah he was not selfish he was not egotistical he was not a narcissist right he would never fit in to our government. <laughs> so Understood. He, he, but, you know, think about when you, what does it say? Think of others 
more than yourself. Right. They say the definition of maturity, or you reach maturity when you think of others 51% of the time and yourself 49%. Something like that. But anyway, so that's that's interesting. And, um, you know, basically uh, we, ha- we have this going down here. Uh, and, of course, Abram dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is Hebron. You know, I find it interesting uh, a lot of these biblical cities— uh, are controlled or mostly populated by Arabs, which have no historical value whatsoever. Right. Like Hebron doesn't have an Arab history. There's like, what, 200 Jews in Hebron? Maybe 300? Uh, I want to say it's like 800. Well, anyway, well, I'm just, they're, they're outnumbered by the Arabs. Absolutely. Even in Shechem, which is a biblical city, Shechem, that's where Joseph's buried. That's Jacob's well. You've got supposedly 200,000 Arabs in there. Right. And that's the modern-day city of Nablus, which is Shechem. Right. Then, of course, you've got Bethlehem, the city uh, where King David was born, Yeshua, predominantly Arab. You know, even the Christians are being pushed out. Yeah, I've been to Hebron, right? And Nazareth right now is pretty much controlled by the Arabs. That's where Yeshua grew up. Yeah. Uh, the, ci- the city of Shechem, uh, Shechem we talked about. What about uh, Jericho? Oh, yeah. PLO, Palestinians controlled mostly. Yeah. Of course, you know, that's where... Uh, the walls came down, but that's an interesting viewpoint. So uh, once again, Hebron is in the, the radar here. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and hit Genesis 14, uh, the battle of the kings and Abram rescues Lot. So here yeah. we go. Now we're going to have some situations going on. Yeah, this is cool stuff, actually. Um, so King... <laughs> Chador Leomer. Yeah, Chador Leomer. Yeah, Chador Leomer. Yeah. He's like a French president. Of Elam. It does sound like that, yeah. Uh of Elam ruled for 12 years, and in the 13th year, there was a rebellion. So it sounds like he was kind of king of kings over the provinces of the area, right? And so right. Um, they end up, like he was head honcho, right? So there's little kings and right. big king. So Chedorlaomer was the big king. So the ratio of kings uh, versus kings in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah was four to five. So, so there's a little bit of a coup there right yeah, after 12 yeah. years. In the 13th year, this this came about. Yep, so four kings go with one side, right. five kings go with the other. The four kings were led by Chedorlaomer, the incumbent, right? It's an election season, so I like using those types of terms. Uh, defeated the five other kings and took Lot from Sodom. That's kind of interesting. It's like our Supreme Court justices. There's nine. Mm. And they're saying there's a conservative majority now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With the latest addition. It's supposed to, the to be Supreme six, Court. three, but it's really five, one, and three. You know what I mean? Because Justin chief, Roberts. Our Justice Roberts, yeah. He's chief that Justice that Roberts. Little shady character. I don't know about shady. Little shady. Uh, I would just say that he does not necessarily vote in the way that people it could predict. He can be unpredictable. Very interesting, you know. Yeah, very, very interesting. And they're supposed to, you know, decide these laws based upon the Constitution. You know, it's There's funny. not a lot of checks and balances funny that you Supreme mentioned Court this. justice. Because what are the three branches of government? But check this out for real quick. Um, people that read the Bible the way that we do, you would almost consider us originalists. Originalists. Which, which Literal. I, I use this. Literalists? Because ah, there's literary elements. So I don't like the literalists. Oh, that's deep. Literary nothing. elements. Yes. Literary. Let me, let me get this thought out, okay? Because hello, father. <laughs> I. It's so funny. Be, election years can be really rough on like just the truth and information because everything has a spin. You know what I mean? And so nobody, you can't just get okay. So, but what's the information? You, know, you want to get the real information. So, <clears throat> originalism has recently, which is which originalism is just a method used by a judge to interpret the law. Right. 
Okay, some judges believe that they could read the law and whatever it means in today's plain language, they can interpret it to mean whatever they want, right? right? An originalist will read the law as written and using, I mean, Scalia was famous, who was a justice, a, a conservative justice, was famous for having an old dictionary. So he'd find, oh, that dictionary is not old enough. I need a dictionary that tells me what this word means at the time this was written. I need the connotation. And then he'd even reference, like, um, relevant articles and things from the time and the way that they came to it, because if there's any written uh, way good. that it came to law. So anyways, the original intent of the law. So originalism is about the original intent. And so we look at the Bible that way. We look at the Bible in context saying, okay, well, I can't just read this one passage and pull it out of context and make it say whatever I want. That's right. Because that's how people come up with all kinds of harebrained doctrines and ideas. And prophecies are of no private interpretation, Peter says. So when we read the scriptures, just like an originalist judge, we're taking the whole counsel of God, just like a judge or a justice would take the whole Constitution, including the amendments, by the way, um, and interpret it based on the whole thing, rather than just, and what it actually says, based on the time that it was written and who it was written to, right? If I read Paul's letters, I could pull something out of context, and I could say... Pretty much justify anything. Whatever I want. Right. But when I put it back into context, I'm like, oh, I'll give you an example. Perfect example is in Colossians, where it says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in regards to a holy day, the Sabbath, and new moons, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. All right, and that's kind of a paraphrase of the King James. There are people that say that this says you don't have to keep the Sabbath, or you, as a Christian, you don't need to keep the Sabbath right. or the feast days. Right. But the letter is written to pagans who used to be pagans, right, who are now con- converting right. away saying, from pagans. don't let people judge you because you are doing these things, which is a great interpretation. Drop the pen. Oh, so the four kings led by King Shador Leomer defeated the five other kings and took Lot from Sodom. Took Lot from Sodom. So, so one of the people who escaped the four kings came to Abram the Hebrew to tell him about Lot's capture. So what is the root meaning of the word Hebrew? So this is Ivri. And it means to cross over. It means to cross over. So if you think about the Euphrates River, the Tigris, or that, he had to cross over the Jordan to become a Hebrew, to cross over. I love that. And Abram had 318 trained servants born in his house and armed to go and bring back Lot. Remember, he already had an entourage in Haran that he came into the promised land with. Which has only grown since Dance with the one who brung you. That's the first militia. And they think he gained some in Egypt and the whole bit. Here's your first militia. Abram smote the captives at Haran, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Abram brought back Lot, all the goods, and the people. The distance from the Dead Sea, because remember, Sodom, to the city of Damascus is about 200 miles. Well, that's quite a haul. Now. That would take four and a half hours to drive. And this is based on claiming that this is Damascus, Syria. This is true. So you're looking at, if you could do a mile a minute. You're looking at four and a half hours to go 200 miles. I'm just saying. You know, there's another theory about where Damascus is. That'd be 50, 100, four, four hours. Wow. And they didn't, they didn't have cars back then. And so here's a situation that happens just to break it down for you. So Abram goes and wins. Well, no, but here's the cool thing, right? If we take a template and try to figure this thing out... Abram hears God's voice. Mm-hmm. He's making this journey, and he has a famine, a circumstance that he's got to go deal with. Right. Now, there's a little bit of, you know, shenanigans going on there, a little 
some lies. Right. And he's got to say, oh, man, you know, I'm in a situation. I'm not real comfortable, you know, like, oh, you don't believe in the two houses, do you? <laughs> well, uh, I, there's houses and there's duplexes and uh, there's, I used to live, uh, my room is in the top floor. No, you're not answering the question. But it's interesting because now he, he's got to go and he enters into a situation with those around him, the civilization, the culture. And now this war breaks out, and one of one of his nephews gets taken. Ooh. He cared enough for him to go looking for him, no to go good. get him. He didn't say, oh, well. Well, and this is the same one that I didn't went, like him anyway. Because how many times have we known somebody that went off and made a decision that we didn't really like? But that's true. That's a good point. Lot made that decision and went off that's, to Sodom. But that's a good point. So here's the good, here's the good news. So he's given these promises, Ryan. He has to go into Egypt because there's a famine. You hit a few bumps in the road. Oh, yeah. He's got to go down, and then, and of course, you know, he leaves, and then his lot, his nephew Lot gets taken. Look what happens. He's victorious, so he saw it through the circumstance. Look what happens. That's good. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, right, right, came, meets him. Yeah, it says it says who did a- Abram have an encounter with on the way back from the victory over King Chedor Laomer. Melchizedek, the king of Salem. You know, we would say this is like a theophany of Yeshua. We can't. We don't have a lot of time to get into this because of the right. the clock's ticking. But Melchizedek is 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 not of the order of of the Cohens or the or the Levitical priesthood. Right. Melchizedek is a whole other world. You know, and of course, uh, what did the king of Salem bring out, and what did Abram give him? <clears throat> well. The king of Salem had bread and wine, which is a picture of Yeshua, bread and wine. And, of course, Abram gave him tithes of all. So those of you that are listening, here, listen, listen closely. Tithing is a principle. So here's the thing. Here comes Melchizedek, which is, I think, like a theophany of Yeshua. And what's he do? He brings bread and wine. It's the first communion. So that's right, bread and wine. So he is the bread and the wine. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that this is probably puffy bread, but he is... <laughs> Right, well, man, it was unleavened. Like, man is like, what is this? You yeah, know? but he said he's the bread that came down from heaven. Mm-hmm. Give us this day our, our daily, daily bread. bread. Amen. Amen. So Melchizedek is the king of Salem. Uh, I believe is like a theophany of Yeshua. And of course, as we look at this in fourteen eighteen, you know, there's uh, a whole thing. It says right here, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedor Laomer. And of the kings that were with him at the Valley of Shavah, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, Yerushalayim, yeah. came to meet him. And Melchizedek, um, in Hebrew, <coughs> means king of righteousness. So Melech, meaning king, and Zedek, meaning uh, righteousness. So this is one of the reasons why we believe it's Yeshua. Also, the book of Hebrews goes through a whole thing, which I recommend reading um, the section about uh, Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews because it does <clears throat> give you a lot of good, you know, just insight into why we believe that this is a theophany so, of Yeshua. So, so here's the cool thing, Ryan. If you stop and think about this, geographically speaking, we've all had to move. God's moving us. Yes. So we mention, and so we have faith. So God has revealed things to us as wild olive branches being grafted in. Yeshua is the root of the olive tree. Olive tree represents Israel. Uh, natural branches were broken off so that we could be grafted in. And they're blinded to the gospel. But here's the cool thing. You know, God is moving us geographically. So now we're talking about a Beit Tehila Israel. To go over there, come alongside the Jewish people, practice our faith, have a mutual respect, and see God move. And so what I'm telling you is that it's kind of cool that this king comes out of Salem with this bread and wine 
And what does Abram do? He reciprocates by giving a tithe. So think about the commerce or the economical aid that we could bring to Israel as Christians. Right. Think about all the money you spend. What if you could have a place over in Israel? What if you could have, you know, whatever, and you're going to spend your money in Israel for the things that you love and like, you know, falafel, whatever. I like falafel. And I'm just saying that. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that, and then you have all the Israeli wines and everything. Shawarma. But once again, I'm telling you this, Ryan, those that are listening or even watching this video, that uh, there's something to your faith in moving and doing. Now, you can't make anything happen. Right now, we're, we're like in this lull after the feast cycle. We just completed a feast cycle, and we're moving along. But now we're going to see something really kick in now. God's going to get really serious now because Abram has come this far. Uh, he's going to make a covenant with Abram, right? And, right. of course, uh, in Genesis 15, God's covenant with Abram. Abram's steward was Eliezer of Damascus. Now, he promised Abram these descendants and the land. Right. Right. He said, you'll be a blessing. And Abram's main concern was that he was childless. That's right. He's calling God out almost. He's That's like, right. hey, you promised me this, but like all I've got is Eliezer. And, and so the Lord told Abram that a child shall come from his own bowels. Look at this. In Genesis 15, 6, Ryan, why don't you read that? Genesis 15, 6. It says here, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Hallelujah. So remember, it's unconditional. Abram believed, right? And that's his name. He's Abram. He's not Abraham yet. And so what did God do with Abram to show him that he was going to inherit the land? Uh, He entered into a covenant with him. He entered into a covenant with him. And Ryan, take it over from there, top of page three in our facilitator's outline. So you see the steps that's being taken, Ryan. Oh, yeah. It's like when I look back on 20 years, I can see all the steps. Oh, absolutely. And the best steps are coming. They're coming. Things are happening. Things are evolving. You know, I've been to Israel seven times. In 2016, when I went for, for tabernacles, it was incredible. Took my son, Micha, Micah, blessed him on Mount, you know, Gerizim and all that. But but God began to move. Yeah. And things started happening and accelerating. And so I think we're on the precipice of something great. So go. let's go into this covenant you and know, the I, details of it. I love it. I love it because, um, you know, Abram receives this covenant from God. And the covenant is God making the covenant. Yeshua did the same thing for us, and that's how we receive He's the greater vessel, the stronger vessel. Absolutely. So it says here, the animals that were used to confirm God's covenant with Abram was a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old she-goat, a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Um, all the animals were divided except the birds. So he had to collect the sacrifices. See, faith... Without works is dead. Is yeah. dead. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and that's just it. The faith is the piece here, right? God imputed righteousness to Abram because of his faith, which is the same way we are imputed with righteousness. That's how we get righteousness. It's not through our works. So after Abram drove the fowls away from the carcasses as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon him. See, something incredible is getting ready to happen. That's right. And he got real tired. Yeah. Well, God, it, it, I think well, God knocked him over the head. But with you a know what comes pan. to mind is remember Adam? Oh yeah. He went to sleep yep. and God took his rib. That's right. Adam yeah. woke up and says, I gotta get that thing back. Oh, there's some, so in other words, this is something big happening. Something right? big is happening. Big happening. Now I get think it. about this. I was just thinking about this. You know, so so this takes place, and of course we know we know that that when Yeshua was in the garden, they were sleeping. Mm-hmm. And he made a reference. Yeshua says, The spirit is willing. But the flesh, flesh is weak. weak. Yes. But look at what happened. 
we have his death, burial, and resurrection because they were tired and went to sleep. So I try to tell my wife when she tries to wake me up or get me up a little bit earlier. <laughs> get out of here. Honey, listen. Many great things have happened when men A were perfect sleeping. example of how to take the scriptures out of context and use them. I'm just saying, if I can just sleep a little more, I can yeah. hear from God. No, I appreciate the example I'm of just how saying. to not interpret the scriptures properly. It's great. It's perfect. <laughs> we can really make it say whatever we oh, want. All right, we got to get going here. Okay, fine. All right, so it says here, God said that Abram's seed would be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they would be afflicted for 400 years. Some promise, huh? Wow. So when the sun went down, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces of And sacrifice. when they say a Brit... It's to cut covenant. Right. So that's why if, if I disobey this covenant, may I be cut in two like these right. sacrifices, these animals. Right, exactly It's right. a It's a cut. And so we know that, that God initiated the covenant, and he's the greater vessel. And, of course, what do we do? We break the covenant. Right. So remember now, we were in the Garden of Eden. We had it made, and we got kicked out of the garden, and now there's sickness and death. Right. And now he's going to go into, hey, I'm going to make a covenant with Abraham. And he's going to have descendants, and this thing's going to really develop and grow. Right. But here God is the one on whom the covenant rests. And notice it's a smoking furnace, just like a burning a burning lamp. So, so this all took place on Mount Sinai, too, in Exodus 19. It's kind of like a weather pattern or something. Yeah. The, the weather, just something happens with the weather. But, but check this out. The, the covenant rests solely upon God. God puts Abram to sleep, and then he handles the actual right. covenant. So then upon whom is the, the, the consequences of breaking the covenant on? God. Hence, Yeshua comes later now, and receives the punishment for our check sin. Check this out. In Genesis 15, 12, after Abram drove the fowls away from the carcasses, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon him when we were worshiping on Saturday. A deep sleep fell upon you? No, I was <laughs> wide awake. I'm just kidding. No. But Brian, just some, something comes to me. Abram drove the fowls away from the sacrifices. What I shared with the people on Saturday is that what has stolen your sacrifice for God? Mm. What fowls of the air yeah, vultures. Have, have stolen your praise? Yeah. Can you say, hey, I entered into his presence, I lifted up holy hands, I really thought about him and not my electric bill. Right, right. Or I thought about him and not going out to eat. Did you really focus and concentrate and meditate upon him? Did you bring that sacrifice of praise? Because we enter his gates with thanksgiving, but his course with praise. So I only bring that up because why else would we be here? Right. But to bring that sacrifice of praise. And we think, oh, well, that's entertainment or that... No, it's your praise, because you don't have to have a sacrifice, and you can thank Yeshua for being our sacrifice. So I, I, I got to tell everyone that if you're burned out from church or, or services, you need to rethink some things. Yeah. You know, God's dealt with me on that before. I think everybody has been at the point where they see people coming to the altar or praising in some, you know, outgoing manner, and they judge, right? Like, oh, this person's just trying to get attention or whatever, right? I know I've had that thought before, and maybe I'm the only one, but I'll tell you what. When it's on you and God's calling you to the altar or God's calling you to do something, it's not easy to do it, right? Not, sometimes it's not. It's not. It's not. And not in your flesh, right? But no. your spirit wants to worship God. Your spirit wants right. to express these things. And what happens is when you do these things, what you're doing is you're putting the spirit above the flesh. And the flesh, yeah. you're giving, you're saying, you will not be in control, well, right? And here's the thing too, Ryan. When Yeshua went to that woman at the well, the, the Samaritan woman who's married five times and had a boyfriend living with him, with her, he's like, you know, God wants people to worship him in spirit and in truth. 
So like you don't want to go through the motions. Right. So what does it mean? To worship him in spirit means that he's, he's outside of nature and time. Mm-hmm. He's a big God. Ah. So we need to really brag on him and boast on him and lift him up. But, you know, as we worship him in spirit and then in truth, like we're honest. So we come in with our bags, carry-ons, or big bags, Samsonite luggage, and we just need to leave this stuff down, put our burdens down, you know, set aside that sin that so easy besets us. But I'm just saying that that's why services to me are so important because it's, it's a time, a, a holy time to come in and to do that because you just want to be honest. Like maybe, yeah. you didn't, maybe you messed up that morning. Maybe you didn't do good the last week. Maybe you just aren't where you need to be. It's like a realignment, you know, because it says right here in um, Genesis 15, 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river of Euphrates. So the promised land is a lot bigger it goes all the way to Iraq. So you could do that as a geographical lesson yourself to, to look at those dimensions. Also, the dimensions of the, the promised land are the same as the Garden of Eden. It's, it's very interesting. So here's a good question. Can New Testament believers in Yeshua be counted as the seed of Abraham and get the land? You know, should they care about it? Should they want to be in the land? Should be a part of the land, you know, because it belongs to God. Galatians 3.29 says that if you be Christ then you are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. Man, that's good stuff. What's the promise given to Abraham? The first promise given to it's Abraham land. is the land. There's got to be a big deal. You know, I think that be a big deal. Christendom as a whole has bought into the idea that this, the promises to Abraham is some ethereal, like, joy, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing tangible. But, you know, I believe that God has given us the prophecies not so that we would just think that it's going to happen someday, right. but that we would be willing participants in God's plan. You know, it says here, this is Romans um, chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. It says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And that's him quoting. Um, it says, That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So the intention of the promise. Well, you take these verses yeah. and you put them together with Galatians, his other letter, right? This was to the Romans. This, right. You know, and you can see now you have a complete picture of what Paul's trying to it's say It's the here. commonwealth of Israel. It's the commonwealth of Israel. Ephesians 2. That it's not just about your birthright. It's that you have to choose God and his covenant. That you can't just you know claim citizenship to the commonwealth of Israel because you want to. You claim it through the blood of Yeshua. So there's the a grafting in and God there's the commonwealth, done. and that's all good stuff because you know th- this is for the sake of time we got to move on. But oh, this is the best. But, part. but here's the thing that's really interesting to me anyway. You know when you look at God's plan, He, he didn't make a He didn't make a mistake. No. He, you know He created the three faiths. People get all jacked up over that. Correct. The Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam. I mean, it was from Abraham. But we get into Genesis chapter 16. We get into Hagar and Ishmael. And so what did Sarai do with her Egyptian handmaid from Egypt? And what was the end result? So after 10 years uh, in Canaan, Sarai, continuing to be barren and continuing not to be able to have kids, in a way to, I think she was trying to show that she was not the barren one, but that it was actually Some him of the Jewish sages have made that kind of commentary right. that, hey, I'm going to prove to you, Abraham, that it's you and not me. Right. So she gave Hagar to Abraham. As a handmaid. But you know, she was elevated as a wife, as if a you wife. go back and read it. Right. So that she Because conceived. of that, and she conceived. Yep. Whoa, whoa. That's all I can say. So in other words, we want to claim that it was Sarah, but it wasn't. It was God the whole time. Right? Well, see, God wanted this promise for Sarah Sarai and Abram. Correct. 
it wasn't Abram and Hagar. Right. She was the handmaiden. So Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar, and she fled to the wilderness by a fountain in the way to Shur. The angel of the Lord instructed Hagar to go back to her mistress Sarai and submit. So here's an angel of the Lord saying, hey, you got to go back. You can't cut, cut out on me now. You have to go back. You know, I love it. We, we've had people leave Beit Tehillah and come back because it was the right thing to do. And yeah. they would say to me, you know, Nick, we left the church and we shouldn't have. Well, we should have we stuck it out or we, we, we realized what we had done. And yeah. I'm like, this is great. This is what we're here for, right? We, we, we welcome you back. We want you back. We think it's great that you learned that because everyone needs to find their place. Yeah. Because God puts the members where he wants in Romans. Paul makes mention of this. God tells you where to go to church. Yeah. Okay. I love, <clears throat> you know, since I've been studying the Torah, I always thought of Hagar as this cast-off woman, right? Right. But I look at this and I see how God leads her and how she listens to God and she's obedient to God. That's true. And I see Hagar as, you know, some people play a role that they didn't choose. And maybe they don't like the role that God has given them. Right? Wow. But look at Hagar. What is your role? What is your role, right? She plays a pivotal role. Imagine, um, you mentioned the three faiths. It's through Abram's sin of what is quote unquote birthing an Ishmael right. that Islam comes. Right. right. We have Islam because of Abram's sin. That's true. Not but God still blesses it and uses it. Exactly right. Because look look what it says here. The angel of the Lord told Hagar that her seed would multiply exceedingly, they cannot be numbered. Right. Think about it. And so in Genesis chapter 16, verses 11, 12, here we have this blessing promise, uh, prophecy. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. His name means God will hear. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So we could see this being played out today among the Arabs, among terrorism and terror, everyone's hand against him, his hand against everyone else, yeah. and it's a vicious cycle. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. You know, and I guess Ishmael's going to birth, I don't know if it's in here or not, maybe it's later, but 12 princes, yeah, like the 12 tribes, you know. And so Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Got it. So we have another timestamp here. So go ahead and hit. Uh, Genesis chapter 17, uh, this is in regards to the circumcision is the sign of the covenant. So God made a covenant with Abram that his descendants, which is an Ishmael, Mm -hmm. is coming out. You got to follow the sign of the covenant, which is what? Circumcision. That's right. And this is this is um, this is a big deal. Right. This is where we get and we get some name changes and everything. That's right. Incredible things. So the name Abram means exalted father. And the name Abraham means father of a multitude. And a right lot here, of responsibility now. Right here, and it says in verses 4 and 5, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. What sounds familiar with the multitude? Uh, that might be... Maybe Ephraim? Would become what? A multitude of nations. Of nations, that's of right. ethnic groups. Yeah. But that's, what I mean, did, that's what skipping did, ahead. I mean, that's what all did, the way What here. did Paul say? Until the fullness, the fullness of, the of the Gentiles comes right. in. The Until multitude the multitude of nations. of nations comes in. Really to who they are and what they are. Well, and the truth is that Messiah is not just the Jewish Messiah. He's the Messiah for the whole world. 
And right. I think that that's, um, that's a big deal that we recognize. And so what is the sign for the Abrahamic covenant, Ryan? It is circumcision. And so you are to circumcise all of your sons on the eighth day. Now, obviously, when they first got the, the circumcision, uh, it, they had to circumcise themselves. And now Paul addresses, there's a lot of controversy over circumcision in the New Testament about whether or not you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And right. just like Paul says, we say, no, you do not have to be circumcised in order to be right. saved. And even in Deuteronomy, it specifically talks about that circumcision of the flesh is not what merits you. It is circumcision of the heart. Amen? Now, and, you know, I, I, I guess I was told I was circumcised in a Catholic hospital on the mm-hmm. second day, and I'm not doing a do-over. The, yeah, no. There's no do-overs. No, no, no. Actually, I, But if you're called to be circumcised, even as an older man, that's between you and the Lord. I have a good friend who's Jewish um, who was circumcised at like the age of 27 or 28, and um, he described it to me. And uh, let's just say I'm not going to describe it to you because it's just not worth it. You know what I mean? It's just not, it wasn't, doesn't sound like a fun experience. But I, I admire his faith very much because I'm like, wow. And that is the sign of the covenant. Right. Um, so here are the in- instructions. Uh, and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money and any stranger which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh and for yeah. everlasting I covenant. think there's a scientific proof of uh, that's the day that the, the, you're bleeding the least amount or you're bleeding the, the least yeah. as you're eight days old. They, they, they did some, some research on that. So uh, on the eighth day, and eight means new beginnings. And then what it is is they cut covenant, literally, in the flesh. New beginnings. And so this is a sign of the Abrahamic covenant, the sign that God is giving the land to the seed of Abraham. So what's the sign of the Abrahamic covenant? Circumcision. What's Good the point. sign of the Mosaic covenant? The Sabbath. And a lot of the rabbis say that Joseph revealed himself and showed his circumcision to prove yeah, that's that he right. was, which that's is right. kind of interesting. So moving right along, the name Sarai means dominative or contentious. Have you ever met a dominative woman? Yeah. <laughs> let's, I, yeah, you know what? Let's keep I've going. just got to go back a little ways. Don't name any. No, that's not my wife. Don't name any. The name Sarah means princess. Ooh, oh, yeah, that sounds okay. really good. Yeah, so in other words, uh, both Abraham and Sarah receive new identities from God. They have something added is it the hay? to them. Was that it, the what is the hay? hay, which is the the breath of God, right? Wow. Which is a big deal. Give you a um, little... But also, I think it's just important to note that Abram starts out as one thing, and then because of covenant with God becomes something else. Right. That is the same is true for us, right? We start out as one thing. That's right. And it is because of our covenant with God through Yeshua that's right. that we become something else. So I started out as a Floridian, right. as an American, but I'm now an Israelite. That's right. right? Why? Because I'm grafted into that's the right. olive tree. Yeshua is the root, the tree You're is the root. You're uh, Hebrew-Cuban. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, I'm a picture of Ephraim. There's, I'm an Ephraim. All right, let's keep it going. Oh, come on. All right. So when God told Abraham that Sarah was going to bear him a son, he fell upon his face and laughed. So God shows up and says, hey... This time next year, your wife's going to have a baby, right? And God says, no, this is not that part. I think there was a correction, Genesis 17, 17. Let me see here. It says, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, um, that is 90 years old, bear? So there's a 10 years between Abraham and Sarah. There is, which is my point about the Pharaoh. So he's like a sugar daddy. He's 10 years older. So what did God say the name of Abraham and Sarah's son 
would be, and what does it mean? Pastor Nick. Wow. Well, Yitzhak means laughter. That's right. Isaac, yeah. You know, you know God, he, he, can, he, he lives outside of nature and time. Yeah. That's why Jesus could walk on water. You know, remember that Joshua prayed that the sun would be stayed, and God can do that, because he's outside of time and nature. But to, to do something like this, you know, was pretty outlandish. And uh, so Yitzhak means laughter. So check this out. I'm going to read some verses. Starting in uh, chapter 17, verse 19 of Genesis. It says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at the set time in the next year. But what do the Arabs say? Ishmael's the rightful heir. Right. So we have this big battle brewing between Jews, Christians, and, uh, and Muslims. Uh, you know, uh, Isaac supposedly, based upon the scriptures, is the child of the promise, of the yeah. covenant. It's obvious. It's right there. It's Yitzhak. You know, but the heirs would say it's Ishmael, you know, because um, he came from Abraham first. But, you know, and I can see that technicality, but what does God's word say? You know, it's, he's established it with Yitzhak. And then last but not least, you know, Christians are like, no, nah, Jesus is on the throne, you know. So everyone's jockeying for this firstborn heir or firstborn rights or whatever it is that they're wanting, the preeminence of this covenant. Sure. When God's plan's unfolding, we can see this fight happening even today among Jews, Christians, and Muslims in but regards to that, you know. They're right that Jesus is has the preeminence. But that's what Christians would do. They're not going to fight for Isaac. Correct. But, but here's the see thing. What I'm saying? But here's the tricky piece, right? Jesus is the one that made the covenant with Abraham no, about no, I Isaac. I understand all that. You're, 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 yeah, you're, so it's like, you know, we're talking specifically right. about Isaac here, right. um, and that Jesus is the one who makes that covenant with Isaac, which praise God, right? And then bears the consequences on the cross. And, you know, this is a good reference of Scripture that you gave, Ryan, because this is what the Word says. You That's can't right. twist it or manipulate it. The Quran was written after the Torah. So in Galatians 3.29 says that you're the seed of Abraham. The question is, uh, is it Isaac or Ishmael? Well, the answer would be Isaac. It would have to be Isaac. And then it, and then it goes Absolutely. on, would it be Jacob or Esau? Jacob. Obviously, it would be Jacob, Israel. And so when you wonder how do we get the identity Israel, it's because the promised seed of God through the line of Abraham, who ultimately brings about the Messiah, is Israel. That's the reason why. The name gets put upon Ephraim at that point and Manasseh. And, and we go from there. And we're not going to go through all that today. We're probably going to do that on a different podcast. But it's Let's just, look at 17. All right. So what are the five things that God did uh, promise to do for Ishmael? Share them with me. All right. So the number one thing is that he hears him, right? Ishmael, Come on, somebody. Right? Bless him. Make him fruitful. Multiply him exceedingly. And make him a great nation. Wow. Now, based on the nation of Islam today. Yeah, it's pretty great. With the Arab big. people. Huge. Would you say that God has fulfilled these Huge. promises? Yes, he did. Okay. Yes, he did. So you God know, is a promise you know, keeper. If you think about this, the Jews don't even have 1% of the land mass the Arabs have. Right. So that's something to consider, everybody that's watching this yeah. or, or listening. The Jews don't even have 1% of the land mass the Arabs have, but they want that too. But there's this little joke, you know, with the Jew crying out to God. You know, he's just crying out to God. And he's like, God, 
you've given the Arabs all this land and the oil, and you want us to cut what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. So Abraham, his 13-year-old Ishmael, and all the men were circumcised in verses 26 and 27. So they were, in fact, Obedient. All right, let's close it out. So what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? Lech lecha, get yourself out. We're closing it on an hour here. Uh, Here's my two things, Ryan. Just real quickly, here it is. This is what I got out of the Torah portion. Number one, God calls you out to bring you in. Okay? So he's the first Hebrew. So God calls you out to bring you in. And we think about the first Hebrew, which is Abraham. And then we think about this word, church. Oh, the ecclesia. It's the Greek word ecclesia. What does the church mean? It means a calling out, right. a popular meeting, a religious congregation. Oh, yeah. Think about it, Ryan. God didn't call us out to be alone. No, he did not. He called us out to be with others. So that's point number one. God calls you out to bring you in, not to play off by the sidelines and do your little pop shots and your little opinions. Number two. Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Hallelujah. Those are the two things I got, Ryan. Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Think about it. If God said his only begotten son, and you believe that, there's your righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But the righteousness of Christ brings us to the Father. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, we're being sanctified and we get to do all these things, all these commandments and things, you know. But the bottom line is that it's the righteousness of Christ that we need to reflect upon. Amen. Amen. So um, the name of this Torah portion is Lech Lecha. Right? Go for yourself. Go for yourself. Go to yourself. Go right? get it. Get yourself out. Go get it. Right. So there's kind of multiple ways we can look at this, but go to yourself. Right. I think that part of this is that God through his covenant, gives us a new identity. He gives Abraham a new identity. Cool. And so what we have to do through covenant with God is we have to find who we really are. And so our identity in Christ is important because we find out not just what he did for us, but we find out that, hey, oh, by the way, you are now part of the promises. You are now an heir according to the promises that were given to Abraham thousands of years ago, and that I will bless those that bless you, I will curse those that curse you, I will give you land, I will make your name great. I mean, think of all of the things. Ten promises made to Abraham. Right. And so our identity is a big deal. The second thing is land. The land is important. I don't think um, mainstream Christianity puts enough emphasis on Where did Christianity start, Ryan? In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. That's right. It did. It did. So, um, wow, what an awesome Torah portion. Look, we already went over, right? We're already over time. And I, I got to say that I could do another hour going back through oh this and talking about specific things oh, that have to do with this We didn't even read. Portion. This Torah portion is fantastic. Yes, please go back and read it. And I'll tell you what, we've done this Torah portion three other times, right? So you can go back and listen to the three other podcasts where we did this. There's one that's only 25 minutes long or so that is um, probably episode three or four way back, you know, on our original That's episodes. Cool. Go back to the original ones. Um, that you can listen to. Um, but there's there's good stuff here in this tour portion, which is good stuff in every tour portion. But this is foundational. Um, we didn't even really get into some of the things about uh, some of the you know specific things that make Beit Tehila unique from other congregations when it comes to this tour portion. And but I think we need to close out our tour portion with, uh, with prayer, Ryan. So right. Why don't you pray for us this week? Uh, I'll pray. All right. Father, we just thank you for your word. We got into your word, and your word got into us. Father, we thank you that your word became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Yeshua, the, the, the Torah, 
became flesh, Yeshua. So, Father, we just pray right now that we would be a lawful people with your teachings and instructions by your Spirit to follow and be led by you. Forgive us for quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. We just pray for your presence, Father, over the airwaves, over YouTube right now. Father, we know there's a lot of lawlessness and, and just a lot of looting and just rioting and some stuff going on that's just not good you know, pillaging and things, but, but Father, we just pray for order. You are a God of order, the accurate arrangement of things. And so we pray order over the nation of America, and we pray for this election. We just pray, Father, that your perfect will be done. We thank you for the outcome, because no matter what happens, Father, Yeshua is our president. We vote for him every day. We serve him, and his term never ends. And we thank you that the government will rest upon his shoulders and that he's going to come and rule and reign for a thousand years. And we just so look forward to this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and like and do all the things that I said. uh, Comment, pick me uh, on the this episode or the last episode. Those are the ones that we're doing the giveaway for. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys. Bless you guys. Have a great week.